Good morning, church. What a blessing to be together with you here today. Uh, you know, last week we, I talked about a lot of <clears throat> really cool things with this glorified body we're going to have one day. But, you know, at this point, I would just like one that you wouldn't have to have Kleenex, uh, no mucus. Isn't that going to be great? One day in that glorified body, it's going to be fantastic. So we're so glad you're here today. Welcome to the Fellowship Center. Uh, also to our live stream audience, it's always good to have you guys with us today. Uh, this past Sunday night, we were able to uh, get together with uh, our transformation houses, two of our women's recovery houses, uh, for a little Christmas get-together. And it was a great, fun evening, and it was just a, a good time to be together with some of our church leadership and these sisters in Christ. And uh, one of the sisters, who's a graduate of transformation, who told the story, her story, her testimony of a year ago, and she was just almost ready to walk away. But she didn't. And there she was Sunday night telling a story of what Christ had done and redeemed her life. And I just wanted to let you guys know, thank you, Megan, for sharing your testimony last week. And Megan uh, is on our live stream team and is responsible, live streamers, for being able to get this out to you every week. So how about a little round of applause for a life that's changed? <clears throat> And is now serving God. What a blessing. I also want to mention our, our 2021 marriage refresh. I mentioned it last week. Uh, we are up and ready now. Uh, we're going to be limited to, I think, about 50 couples. We're going to do it instead of late to gray this year. We're in uh, Toledo Bend because uh, we can get a few more people in down there. So uh, be sure and go onto the church website and register. If you see one of the couples here, the Tomlinsons or the Kirby's or, or, or Lisa and I, uh, or the Lees, be sure and uh, find out what you need to do to get registered, to get signed up. We're going to have a wonderful time, and it's uh, Valentine's Day weekend. It's a great three-day event together, so be sure and get signed up for that. So our scripture reader today is Bailey K. Stone. Bailey, if you'll come on up. Bailey is a 13-year-old who goes to OCS, and she is a stone-cold killer <laughs> of deer. Uh, she's killed how many this year? She's killed four deer this year which is pretty impressive. She's a better shot than me and Uncle Si. Uncle Si can affirm that, right? Uh, and she's uh, really good uh, at a lot of other things. She likes to draw. She likes to cook. Uh, so she's a woman with many talents. And so she's going to read our scripture today. Mark 1, 16 through 20. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they are fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hard men and followed him. Thank you, BK. You go take that with you tomorrow. <clears throat> I didn't mention she also likes to listen to Queen with her pap. That's me. Uh, so it's a, a great blessing for to be able to share. Last night, Bailey asked me, she said, Pap, are you going to preach uh, this text that I'm reading? And I said, nope, I'm preaching out of John 21 and Luke 11. She said, so you've got me just reading some random text? <laughs> and I realized this is the first time I've been grilled by a scripture reader. Uh, this is what granddaughters do, right? Um, but I will tie it in, BK. Trust me, I'm a professional. I've done this before. Uh, today, uh, our story is really a full circle story. 
Uh, and I love full circle stories, right? A lot of Hollywood stories are based on this. You know, you start out in a good place. Maybe it's a relationship with somebody. And then you lose your way somewhere along the way. And then you finally get back uh, to what's good and to what's right and, and to the person that you love. And that's kind of what happens today. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 21, if you'd like to turn there. And then also in Luke 11, a little bit later. When I was uh, four years old. We moved from Ruston, when Dad graduated Tech, to Junction City, Arkansas. He also had Junction City, Louisiana, because the state line runs right through the middle of town. And um, we moved on to the school campus because Dad was a teacher and a coach while he was working on his master's. Mom worked for the superintendent's office, and so we were able to live on, on school grounds. They had a couple of houses. And across the street, there was a preacher and his wife... And they were probably in their late 60s at the time, maybe even 70, kind of in a retired mode, but preaching at the little Junction City Church of Christ. And so they met me because the kids in my neighborhood, you know, the school was there as well. So we were always out playing and and they saw me playing and they asked me if I wanted to go to vacation Bible school. And I was like, well, what is that? You know, it had the word school in it. And I was kind of excited about that because I was only four. And they said, you know, we get to have Kool-Aid and cookies and talk about Jesus. And I thought, what's better than that, right? Especially at four years old. So they asked mom and dad if I could go, and they said yes. And that began a five-year relationship with this older couple who were kind of like my grandparents, or I guess could have even great-grandparents at the time. And they instilled in me so many good things during that five-year period of time. Mom and dad weren't Christians yet. Our home was not a place of peace but boy, when I would go over to the Layton's house, there was tea cakes and there were stories about Jesus and we sang songs and they just poured into this kid out of this tough family and tough situation. Of course, as I've told you before, I was like uh, the Ephesians church in Revelation 2, 4. I, I wound up forsaking my first love. We came here to White Street Road. Mom and dad became Christians. Our lives were great, but I lost my way as a teenager. And became a prodigal son and left the area for getting my first love. Whenever I came back to the Lord and to my family and finally was seeking and searching again, we wound up here at WFR eventually. I got married. I had two young daughters. This church embraced us and loved us. And eventually I went to the White Sparrow Road School of Biblical Studies in 1988. I was 23 years old. I was in class one day that first year, and Carl Allison came over. He was our director, and he pulled me out of class, which you never like to get pulled out of class, right? Usually means something bad's happened, you're in trouble, somebody found something out about your past. I don't know what's going on. I'm a little nervous about it. And he said, there's a couple that's here to see you. And it had been 15 years since I'd seen the Laytons. So we came down and met right over here in, this, in the old foyer with the poles, for those of you that remember and there they were. Now they were in their 80s, much older. And I came up to them, and I instantly, of course, recognized who they were, even after all these years. And we hugged. And they told me they had been kind of following our story, and they knew that Mom and Dad had become Christians. They knew we were at White's Ferry Road. They knew I was in the school. And they were so proud of the man that I had become. You know, I'm older now. Back then I was younger, so any emotion I had, I just pushed it down. But if I had had that moment today, I would have wept with this couple who had poured into me. 
They also told me it's not only a hello, but it's a goodbye. We're heading up to Cersei where our daughter's going to take care of us. We can't take care of ourselves anymore. And that was it. Last time that I talked to this couple. You know, another reason I'm looking forward to heaven is being able to thank people like that who had an impact and willing to pour themselves into someone else's life. I see that happening here all the time. I can't wait for the reunion. Take a few years and just catch up, right? What's eternity but for catching up? Today's story is like that. It's a full circle story. It's a story about some people who had been through a lot and needed to remember their first love. It's a, it's a story of amazement and awe, but it's also a story of appreciation and acceptance. And isn't that what the Christian experience really is? We're amazed that the God of the universe would send his son and love us. We're in awe of who he is and what he does. And yet we're so appreciative that he's willing to take us back even when we lose our way. I'm of the opinion that John could have ended his book on the last chapter, and it would have been a great book. I mean, it ends with Thomas saying, my Lord and my God. He talks about all the other things that happened that weren't written down. The other gospels basically in there with the Great Commission as well. But John had a personal, intimate story that he felt important enough to include for us to be able to be inspired by. And I think that was the reason there's a John 21. Let's look down at verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. This is the third time, remember, by the Sea of Galilee. And remember, there's been a lot of great moments on the Sea of Galilee, right? Peter got out there and did a little walking around until he started sinking. Jesus calmed the seas there. So it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel, who we also know as Bartholomew from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, there's the sons of thunder, and two other disciples were together. Peter tells them, I'm going out to fish. And they said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And so when I look at this, I, I, I try to look at it from a practical standpoint. A lot's happened. Jesus is back. They know that. They're not sure of the future. And I think more than anybody else, Simon Peter, no doubt about it, is feeling some real angst about what's going to happen next. And so, you know, when we're in the midst of chaos, we, we like to go back to the things we're familiar with, right, to find some peace. And that's what these guys did. They're fishermen. I always find it ironic that one-third of the apostles, at least one-third of the apostles and disciples were fishermen. That was their business. I, I think my family can relate to that so much because we were commercial fishermen for so long. That lifestyle, we get it. And it is a faith-based lifestyle because we spent a lot of time praying for God to send fish into nets. And he did. Amazingly, over and over and over again. Well, in this particular night, there's seven of them that go out on the boat. And I think they're kind of sticking together for Peter's sake. They're trying to help him because they realize he's not quite got it right with the Lord yet. And you even got James and John who you remember there was a time when their mom came in and she was going to make sure the choice cabinet positions in Jesus's regime were taken by them, right? I want one son on the left and one son on the right. 
So I always wondered when Jesus called them the sons of thunder, maybe she was the thunder, right? Because she was willing to come in and try to set this up. Remember, the other disciples were indignant and furious with this power play. And yet here they are in the boat together. I often wonder who the other two disciples were because John doesn't tell us. I have to think one of them was Andrew. Andrew played such an important role in Peter's development. He was a man of vision, of opportunity. He, he was a man that was able to set up moments that helped show the greatness of Christ. You remember in John chapter 1, he was the one who brought Peter to Jesus to meet him for the first time. I know that Andrew looked at his brother and said, oh, Lord, if you get this guy turned in the right direction, great things are going to happen. It makes me think about that video that they did. Uh, I think you can go to the WFR Church Discipleship on YouTube and you can watch it. Mike showed it here before. It's about my Aunt Jan who took Bill Smith to a bar to share the gospel with my dad because Jan said, oh, Bill. If you can get this guy to Christ, he will lead thousands to the Lord. And she was right. He wasn't ready that first time at the bar. But when he was ready, guess who we went back to? Good old Bill Smith, who shared the gospel with him for three straight nights until he got it. Until he understood about first love. And in the video, then it talks about dad's role in mentoring Mac who started our Celebrate Recovery, and then Mac's role in mentoring Chad Johnson, who ironically has a ministry now, and guess what we call it? Fishers of Men, leading hundreds and thousands of people to a closer walk with Christ. That was Andrew's mindset. You remember it was Andrew in John chapter 6 that while Jesus said, you know what we're going to do today? We're going to feed all these people, 5,000 plus. And all the disciples looked at him like he was crazy. One of them said, eight months worth of wages, wouldn't even give them a bite. And it was Andrew who said, you know, Lord, I got a kid here with five loaves and two fish. Maybe. And what happened? Miraculous. Not only were 5,000 plus people fed and their bellies full, but 12 basketfuls picked up. See, that's a man with vision that sees possibility. Maybe that's what one of your gifts are. It was Andrew who in John chapter 12, when some Greeks showed up in a Jewish-only Bible class situation, and they said, we want to see Jesus. Andrew took them to see Jesus. That's a man of vision. Ten years later, guess who his brother would be sharing the gospel with the very first time? The Greeks. Thank God for guys like Andrew, because if not for that, we wouldn't be here, right? This was a man who had an ability to see things. He wasn't a man of action like Peter. And the reason I bring this up is because many of you feel like sometimes, well, you know, I I just don't really have that much to offer. I'm not like a Phil or I'm not like a this guy or that guy. And yet you may be the vision setter. You may be the one that makes the opportunities for Christ to do great things, the introducer of people that show Christ's power. There's a lot of gifts in the kingdom of God. Don't fret over what you don't have. Ask Christ to use what you do have. What a blessing that we get that. But it was Peter who initiated the outing. And I think it was because he was unsettled. 
Obviously, first, because of the whole denial thing, right? He wept. He's ashamed. Imagine Jesus shows up in those two settings, but we don't read anything about him saying anything specifically to Peter. So he's excited like everybody else. Jesus is back. And, man, we're excited about that. But, you know, he's got to be thinking, oh, but we, I left it in such a bad way, which next week we'll talk about more. He's unsettled because what does he do now? That's why he went back to the boat. Where else would I go? I guess we just go back to fishing again. I thought we had this whole thing we were going to do about the kingdom. Guess it's not going to happen. Have you ever been there before? You got a career choice. You got a job choice. You got this choice. You got that choice. You say, what, Lord, what am I supposed to do? It makes us unsettled. He has a gift of boldness, which I've noticed that bold people who are really impactful and powerful usually have a lot of weaknesses to go along with it. It's just the nature of it. We know that, of course, he's impatient, he's impulsive, he's insensitive to other people, which is going to get him into trouble with Paul later on in the first century. But he's a man who's bold enough to speak his mind. You know, Peter's the only one who rebuked Jesus, which didn't go well. I wouldn't do that, but, I mean, he was bold enough to try it. Never, Lord. In redneck terms, I would call him a get-or-done sort of guy. But, you know, with every get-or-done sort of guy is also the guy that says, hold my fermented grapes and watch this, right? There's always that balance of doing something and doing something not too smart. So let's look back at John 21 and see what happens. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. Uh Uh-oh, Jesus Jedi alert. He's turned himself into somebody else. They don't recognize him. He calls out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? You know, there's nothing worse than somebody standing on the bank when you hadn't caught anything and saying, where's the fish? We know that guy, right? No, they answered. He said, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. That's even worse. The guy that tells you then how to do your business. But, you know, amazingly, the disciples, and maybe it's because, you know, most fishermen, they do listen and want to try new things, right? You're over here hanging out the honey hole, and somebody says, you know, if you take a chartreuse, whatever, and you spit on it, you throw that in there, you'll catch them. Those guys, you know, he, well, let's try it. So they do it. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. You know what? The old boy was on to something. Now look what happens next, verse 7. The disciple whom Jesus loved, we know that's John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. He got it. He just transported back in his mind three years to another catch we'll talk about in a minute. And he said, that's got to be Jesus. Because when he tells you to throw out and you'll catch some over there, that's what happens. He saw it. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord... He wrapped his outer garment around him. Most people take their clothes off when they're going to jump in the water. He puts his own and jumped into the water. Told my firm man a grape once. I don't know what he thought. Do you think he was going to walk over to him maybe? It was the Sea of Galilee. He didn't think. He just jumped in. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of the fish. So they're just towing this along. They weren't far from the shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals with fish on it 
and some bread. Jesus had brought fish and bread. You realize this is the second out of three appearances that Jesus is eating fish. Praise the Lord. There's going to be fish fries in heaven, folks. I mean, there's no doubt about it. We'll be like him, right? Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Peter, I guess he realizes, I don't know why I'm in the water. Climbs back into the boat, helps drag the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. John counted them and recorded it in Scripture. Why? Because fishermen love numbers. Right? You guys know. Caught a big old bass out on Katie. How big? Ten pounds and six ounces. I mean, we got it down to the ounce, right? Man, we tore those crappie up. How many did you get? A hundred. A hundred. We used to count them in pounds. You know why? Because pounds meant money. hundred pounds of catfish, 70 bucks. We knew exactly what it was. I mean, even Jeff, little four-year-old Jeff, he knew how much you could get for a buffalo. John mentions 153. But, but catch this. But even with so many, the net was not torn, which is different from the Luke 5 count that we're going to look at next. Turn over to Luke chapter 5. Because this story is about coming around. And I want to read what happened the first time, and I want you to see the comparison. And it really, to me, brings to life so much of what Jesus was trying to do with the disciples. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gethsemane, which is also Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So he's giving them a little lesson. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. When I, every time I read this, my mind goes back to when I was a kid and hoop nets strung all out in the woods there on the riverbank and dad cleaning those nets and mending them because one torn net could be money getting out of there. All that time he spent making sure we were taken care of. Here were these guys doing the same thing. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. And I don't think this was an accident. And he asked Simon to put out a little from shore. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Sound travels across water. And so Jesus made him a little amphitheater here. But he does it in Peter's boat. We, we call this directional dialogue. It's when you're sharing with somebody, but maybe this person's not ready, but maybe this person over here is hearing every single word. Which, by the way, that's why you share Jesus. Because you never know who God's put out there to listen. I love the story Jace tells about when Kevin McIntosh came to Christ. They were, he went in and was having a Bible study, and McIntosh was sitting there with two or three other guys. And as soon as he broke out the Bible, Mac just gets up and walks around the corner in the other room and starts playing a video game. I ain't got no time for no Bible study. So Jesus shared, I mean, Jesus, Jason shares with the two guys that are here. And these guys say, we don't want to do anything with that. We're going to go find a beer joint. And they get up and walk out. And Jason's like, well, I guess that was a bust. And McIntosh comes around the corner and said, I think I'm ready. See, he was listening to the good news story being told. But he wasn't present, but he was listening. That's what God does. He brings hearts into those places where people can share if we're willing to give them the opportunity. That's what Peter was doing. He's listening. Verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. 
That's why John recognized him. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. You know what translated that means? Okay. I mean, he's a powerful preacher. He don't know anything about fishing. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Why no number this time? Because fish are getting out of the net. Nobody counts the ones that gets away, right? So they signaled their partners in the other boat. They helped fill up the boat so much that they began to sink. When Jesus tells you to do something, do it. He knows more than you do. He created fish. Simon Peter saw this, verse 8. He fell at Jesus' knees. And here's the interesting thing he says. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. You know what I love about Peter? He's got his boldness. He's got his weaknesses. But he has the understanding that Jesus is great and worthy, and he is not. That's the first step to changing your life is that realization. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. See, that's your first love. Your first love is recognizing that you are not worthy to save yourself. You can't do it. And as long as you try and as long as you beat your head against that wall, you're going to fail over and over and over again. But when you come in and fall down at the feet of Jesus and say, I'm a sinful man, I'm a sinful woman, then you're ready. And I think that's what this was about, a returning to the first love. Look back at John 21 and verse 12. Jesus said to them, come and have some breakfast. Now he's still mystery man. The reason I know this is look at the next line. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because he didn't look like Jesus. But they knew that he was Jesus. And this takes me back to what he told Thomas. You remember what he told Thomas in the last appearance? You see me and believe. But blessed are those who do not see me and believe. Here's that moment for this first group of seven. He doesn't look like Jesus, but they know he is Jesus. You see, he's prepping them. Because he knows that they're going to have to go out from this moment. And at first they're going to talk to people who had seen Jesus. But it ain't going to take long before he gets into the Greeks that he's going to, they're going to be talking to people who don't know and have never seen Jesus. And yet they're going to have to convince them by their witness and their testimony that he really is Jesus. He really did raise from the dead. He really is at the right hand of the Father and he's really coming back. And to do that, they had to recognize them themselves first. And this is the first time we see them do it. They knew it was the Lord. Just like I do standing here today. I have no doubt. I'm not perfect. I make plenty of mistakes. But I have no doubt about one thing. Jesus was here. He died for us. He was raised for us. And he left here to mediate for us. I know that. And I've never seen him. Except when I've seen him in you. Jesus came. He took the bread. He gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised. 
from the dead. So even though Jesus looked like someone else, they knew it was him. Jesus seems to love threes. Third appearance. Third time was the charm. They got it. They're ready. And they're about to go on the biggest adventure of their lives. One that would end in death, physical death for them because of their faith. But glory at the right hand of Jesus. What a blessing. So today's lesson is for potential Peters. Because there are some of you out here, out there, that you, you know you have gifts and talents. You know you have great things that you could be doing to advance the kingdom of God. To win others. But you have lost your way. You've forgotten your first love. You, you haven't gone all in. You hadn't fallen down at his feet and said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. But he won't go away. Maybe today's the day to confess your allegiance. Yeah, but I got a lot of weaknesses. Yeah, so did Peter. You know what Paul said in Second Corinthians 12? My power is made perfect in weakness. Because then you have to depend on me. Any of you Peters out there that some Andrew has brought to here, today may be your day. To the prodigals, I know there's a few of those. I was one for a while. You follow the evil one into a trap. You're there. You want to get out. You say, what do I need to do? Get out. The hardest step is the first step. But once you get to rolling, it's amazing. I can promise you one thing. If you're connected to the Whitesbury Road Church, you're connected to a church that loves when people come home. We welcome you. We're not going to give you a list of rules. We're not going to throw rocks at you. We're going to say, welcome home. Let's get to work. Let's kill the fat and catfish and have a celebration. And today may be to the lukewarm. That could happen to any of us. You know, we get comfortable. We get into church stuff and arguing about this, that, and the other. And we forget our first love is the call to Christ to impact our culture. Romans, I mean, Revelation 2 and 3 are full of churches that became lukewarm, that forgot their first love. If you're lukewarm, today may be the day to remember why you became a Christian in the first place. To be filled again with wonder and awe at how great our God is. I love this story. It's a story about fishing, but it's a story about coming back full circle to remembering who Jesus is for us. So if you're out there in live stream land and you've come to that point today, today's a good day to confess Jesus as Lord, to become a son or daughter of the Almighty God. If you're in the Fellowship Center, if you're here in our Worship Center, I want to encourage you, if you have any need at all, this is the place. These are the people. Why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?